Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to I Don't Get It, the pop culture get off my lawn cast. Featuring the curmudgeonly yet open-minded musings of two guys in their early 40s as they stare down the prospect of their entertainment irrelevance. I am your co-host. My name is Noah Tarno. I am the quiz master and founder of The Big Quiz Thing, the trivia game show spectacular. And with me at my virtual over-the-internet side, Bill Scurry. How you doing, Bill? I'm all right. I was the original founder of The Big Quiz Thing, and I got fucked out of credit by you. I screwed you. <laughs> and this is your revenge on me, forcing me to do this podcast week in and week out. Uh, all right. So today's episode, we are striking while the iron is hot. The item that accounts for 49 of 50 places in the top 50 slots on the toys bestseller list on Amazon.com. Fidget toys, specifically uh, fidget spinners. And as you may or may not know, or you probably have least heard inklings of, currently the hot thing for 2017 are fidget toys, which are stress-relieving toys or gadgets that are primarily seen as a spinner item. It is usually a three-lobed, typically metallic or plastic item with a central spindle, a bearing, making the item easily spun in one hand or between the fingers or between two hands, easily spins for up to a minute with little effort. And people, uh, mostly kids, have been using these just to idly pass the time while they're in class, while they're commuting, what have you. And these have been defended uh, by a lot of people as a useful activity, a stress reliever. To keep your mind focused, actually. Uh, some people claim that it helps uh, alleviate anxiety, stress, ADHD, even autism. There is no scientific evidence to support the claim that this has actual therapeutic value, but people have defended them nonetheless. Still, they've become hugely popular very fast. Many teachers are talking about them appearing at more than half of the kids' desks overnight and led to a lot of schools banning them because they claim they are a distraction. Uh, we're also going to talk about the fidget cube, which, Mr. Scurry, you were so generous enough to send me one. It was in the budget. What can I say? Yeah, this is a six-sided cube, as most cubes are. I'm playing with it right now. Each side has a different gigaw on it, a uh, joystick, buttons, a rollerball, dials, an on-off switch, etc. Something to idly play with on the hand while your mind is mainly occupied with other things. And of course, it's led to the plethora of think pieces. Some have said these are a godsend, a possible uh, cure for smartphone addiction. Other people have said this is the newest sign of the apocalypse. A New Yorker headline just a couple days ago, Friday, said the fidget spinner is the perfect toy for the Trump presidency. The Atlantic had a very pointy-headed piece whose headline was the fidget spinner explains the world. Bill, what do we think about fidget toys? Go! How many waves of disposable bullshit have we lived through in our 40 <laughs> short years? Do you, well, and, and, 41 and, and, and more 41. than that. Yes. Okay, and, and, but as a corollary, though, do you think it's worth the devastating effect on turtles and seagulls, all the plastic we're forcing them to eat with a button <laughs> by our boredom that and our sloth? That ship has sailed, my friend. The, the plastic... Uh, dominance of the earth has sailed I, don't, I really don't have any hot take on this I, it's fairly simple this is the protean i don't get it topic because it seems so simple it may be a mile wide but it's an inch deep right at the moment it's so zeitgeisty yeah. Yeah. everyone yeah. seems to have an opinion on it everyone knows exactly what this thing is i did read the same pieces you sent me a bunch of them and they are pointy-headed as you say there's a, a rorschach i guess there are a lot of things that i would say uh, augur the current terrible predicament of things either 
they order it or they reflect it or they are a result of it. I think the fidget cube is just the latest in a long line of diversions and the cultural slag heap. Of course. I think that... You, you said when we were prepping, you said it's the hula hoop. It's the hula hoop. It's it's the, you know, for the yeah. kids, the dingus, as they yeah. said in uh, yeah. Hudsucker Proxy. The, the interesting thing about the fidget blank, whatever you infix as the object in this case, is that, well, they are so ubiquitous. It's such a small piece of post-consumer garbage. And it's like the buy-in is so cheap that there's, there's really not any point in not buying one, if you think about it. Whatever yeah. you would need to get over that Gladwell tipping point, this thing did instantly. So I feel like if you want to surrender to the fever, and I would not have bought one of these. I sent one to you and I got one to me. I would not have done that unless we were doing the show. Not even out of curiosity. That's not a reflection of whether it's useful or not. It's a reflection of where my entry is. I don't need something like this. I don't find anything sinister about it. I, it's just another cultural artifact yeah. designed for the slag heap of Tamagotchis swirling well, through the Pacific right now. I'm not going to say fads are have existed for all time because as my understanding, the, the concept concept of the fad is it does, probably doesn't go back to cavemen you know our culture kind of had a um uh, a sea change i think around the 1890s when human beings really or western human beings let's get more to the point here basically found themselves with a surfeit of uh free time because of the industrial revolution and there was always some dumb fun thing to um distract people i once read an article about um you know those little games those little uh trays that you turn it and you try to get the metal balls to fall into a hole sure under the eyes of a character or something. Oh, yeah. That apparently was a huge fad in the 1890s. And then in the 18-teens, when crossword puzzles first came along, they became a fad. I mean, they stuck around in some element to the point where everyone knows what they are, but they were the hot thing of the moment. Yeah, and then in terms of stress-relieving things, I mean, stress balls and little squishy toys emerged in the 90s. On the 70s, hippies were, were stroking worry stones. In the 80s, of course, they were Rubik's Cubes, although Rubik's Cubes engaged a lot more of the intellect. Why is the fidget thing big now well i think these pointy-headed overblown articles about them being the trump presidency and explaining the world i mean i do think they're overblown but i think they get at something the pace of needing distraction has increased greatly partly because of the internet partly because of media partly because of all the things that make our world as insane as it is now I'm glad I didn't read these articles till after I played with this cube for a while. I'm playing with this cube right now. Can you hear it, everybody? It's happening. I opened this yesterday morning, and I'm like, what in the fucking hell is this thing? And then I put it down next to my computer, and I started doing work, and I found myself picking up and playing with it. I have a slow computer. There's a lot of processing that needs to happen, and I would get so frustrated, so I would start counting to 10. And then, of course, like many people, I would start picking up my phone. So while I'm waiting for the computer for something to happen, I would pick up my phone and go to Facebook or read an article or whatever, and that's just... I knew it was bad for me. And yesterday, instead, I found myself picking up the fidget cube and enjoying the fidget cube. And I started going, oh my God, is this thing going to help me get um, smartphone addiction? And then I started reading articles that said, yes, people claim it can help you get over smartphone addiction. Now, while I'm not saying I'm going to kick my addiction and that other people would too, I need a distraction in these moments. My mind has crossed that line. I need something to occupy me in these dull, dead moments. And this thing does it. It's CBT, if you think about it, cognitive behavioral therapy. Yeah. I mean, you're looking at a device that takes the place of the proverbial snapping rubber band around your wrist if you wanted to take a smoke, whatever that technique was in the 70s or 80s. Uh, or as one funny quote in the Atlantic article claims, like, you know, these kids have it easy. In my day, we just have to pick at our cuticles. 
Well, I think we may have a good synthesis of two different points of view here, because it sounds to me like you're sounding off for the fidgeting precincts reporting in. And I don't think I would describe myself as a big fidgeter. So somewhere in the middle probably uh, lies the truth. I'm a huge one, man. That explains a lot, is that it's something that once you start playing with it, it's just, well, what what they say? I have this written in my notes, right? The fidgeting devices uh, are supposed to drive a specific neurochemical transmitter in your brain, right? That assist and focus and paying attention. That's the, like you yeah, said, the right. bunkum. Well, that's the bunkum that people point to in terms of like, oh, this thing helps kids and this is why you should give it to uh, hyperactive people who are bored in meetings. This will help them focus on a topic. Whereas you say there's no actual science. It's just, it's just pseudoscience that people like to buttress their points with. Um, yeah, I don't dismiss pseudoscience as, I think as easily as you do, despite the fact that you were more pro ASMR than I was. I'm of the opinion that if something, when it comes to something like stress, if something makes you feel better, it works. You know, that, that I agree. It's a, it's but, a fully you subject, can't... not fully, but it is a largely subjective phenomenon. If you think it relieves your stress, it relieves your stress. And you said before, you know, you, you think this is a bit of a thin topic. And I agree. Like, I don't see the harm in these things. I mean, obviously, if they're distracting kids at school, fine. But kids are going to get over this thing in a few months. I mean, they got over slap bracelets in 1994 or whatever. So we somehow survived pogs, didn't we? I mean, I'm playing with this thing. It's fun. It's interesting. I haven't spent time with the spinners, so I don't know about that. But this cube, there's like seven different things on it. It feels mm -hmm. nice in my hand. The millions and millions of combinations, like push this button. And then flip this switch, then push this uh, joystick. And, you know, it's an interesting little item. I find it far more interesting mm -hmm. than the spinners. It's a little analog rabbit hole for yeah, you. Right? I'll give you that. And it feels a lot less insidious, maybe insidious is a strong word, than picking up my phone or getting mad because watching the spinning beach ball on my Apple or whatever. I mean, right. it just feels like it's harmless. You know, I'm one of these people, my mind's always racing. So if I'm waiting for a subway and I'm bored, I'll start reading signs backwards. You know, I'll start coming up with yeah. spoonerisms in my head. So I'll play these little games and they always felt kind of healthy because it felt like mental aerobics. So while I wouldn't say this <laughs> thing is mental aerobics, it feels a lot better for me than, all right, what are some other things I obsess over? The mental habits and idle thoughts that are actually bad for us. Or buried mm -hmm. in my smartphone okay. and escaping the world, as so many of us do, and I think is going to send us all to hell. I'd say the pointiest point of all the pointy points that I read in these <laughs> articles was that they were referring back to Erno Rubik's cuboidal invention and yes. saying that you at least had the potential to solve a puzzle, and it was a test of intellect. Yes. And maybe that was just standing in for a larger object where you're doing something constructive to some degree. It's an intellectual exercise. And w I guess it was the New Yorker. We're coming at it from this point that the fidget spinner is onanism. It's yeah. something that you do for yourself and it has no interaction. Yes. And it's another inward turn to, for the psyche. As opposed to so many toys that involve interaction with other people, this one involves no interaction. The first thing that popped into my mind was me sitting on the couch for 30 hours every two days playing Grand Theft Auto 5 when it came out back in 2014. And it's like, well, that didn't help anybody. That is as close to onanism as yeah. possible. And no one was decrying it as being the, uh, careful, Trump's about to get elected because Bill Scurry sat on his couch playing Grand Theft Auto for months. <laughs> And it's like, <laughs> this is not just it's a, a piece of plastic. <laughs> I think I read a thick piece with that headline. <laughs> you wrote yeah. the medium.com yeah. piece on it. It's no more a useless exercise than anything people have done onanistically. And it's funny because you're saying onanistically and onanism is a yeah. metaphor, but we can use that literally in this case. Yeah. Too. <laughs>
I mean, the reason people criticize masturbation is not because they think it takes away from interacting with other people. It's because they're puritanical and they think jerking off is yeah. bad. Yeah, this New Yorker article, mm-hmm. you're right. It's the onanistic thing. There's a, the, the quote I pulled out here is, fidget spinners, on the other hand, are masquerading as a helpful contribution to the common wheel, while actually they are leading to whole new levels of stupid. I mean, new levels of stupid? Is this any stupider than pogs? Slap bracelets. Dude, the fucking Big Bang Theory is leading to new levels of stupid, all right? Caroline McGow is taking the latest toy craze for a spin. We came in for fidget spinners because she had a, her final gymnastics meet this weekend, so she got a special treat. Fifteen eighty nine with tax. Okay. And now so does the first grader. Because I've tried my friends and they're really fun. So I think we got at why this is popular. I do think we need more stuff to keep our minds occupied. You know, I find it interesting, like, nowadays if you're waiting in line or you're waiting outside waiting for someone, right? How did we just stand and wait years ago? Well, now we whip out our phone. <laughs> somehow, somehow we did, but and, yeah, and you're like, right. I you're feel right. like we've already crossed over into the world of needing the stimulation. That might suck. But that's the way it is. If you need stimulation, mm-hmm. yeah. this thing is better because it lets your mind focus on other things and it doesn't suck you away from the present than whipping out your phone. There's another thing that um, hasn't been mentioned yet, but I guess alluded to. These fidget spinners have a big overlap with people who are on the spectrum, which is admittedly yes. something I only know about in reference. Whether it's being on the spectrum or, or having some uh, interface with Asperger's or autism or ADHD or something like that, lest I get totally out of my depth in, in talking about it. There is a demand for this, not just in kids who are looking to idly waste their time, but as a self-soothing technique. One of the pieces I read, I forget where it showed yeah. up. There was an, uh, It was on someone's blog, and they said that they had a something close to a, a quasi-Asperger's breakdown on a train because it was a stress situation on mass transit and the person managed to right themselves by the use of a spinner reading it from this person's point of view well that's a very specific interaction with this that is a chemical thing that i there's no way i could have and it's obviously much to your point it sued them the end, end of story it did the job but even if we're not on the spectrum we all have moments of stress and we all yes. have moments of needing to be yes. pacified. I mean, we all did as babies and we all carry at least some of that with us into adulthood. You know, different levels, of course. And typically people on the spectrum, again, I'm out of my depth, need that more or more often. But yeah. Everyone finds himself in that position at some point. I feel like the inclusion of the the neuroatypical, uh, if I can use that term, I don't think it's inhumane or cruel. I I could be wrong, but I'm kind of wary of bashing this thing with too hard a hammer just because there is a whole parcel to it that affects people who are neurodissimilar to me. There's a lot of why is it popular there that just is like a very deep well of resource that I've only begun to peer into. I can't possibly imagine what it is like, especially... One of the differences that we, you know, it's unspoken, but the idea of being neuroatypical wasn't as common or at least wasn't as spoken. You are just a weirdo. Precisely. I can't look back now to 1990 to 1986 and imagine who around me was undiagnosed with neuroatypicality. Somebody who would have been regarded as a disobedient child or someone with real issues of attention and were thusly a problem. Well, maybe zip ahead to 2015, 2016, 2017. And there's something scientific to say about what their case is. Right. And maybe the spinner tool winds up being a a difference maker for somebody else that's way out of my depth. But to be clear, there have been no, you know, there is no actual scientific evidence that this does 
alleviate clinically measurable problems no, it's true. of it's which true. you speak. So it'll be interesting to see if a year from now, when every other kid in school isn't playing with a spinner, will the kids on the spectrum, the kids with actual diagnosed problems, will they still be using this? What's the equivalent of this when we were kids? That was something every kid was playing with when we were 11. Well, that's the thing. If we go back to the fads. trying to remember. It's not Rubik's Cube because Rubik's Cube was too much for me. The fads were toys. I mean, the fads were pieces of post-consumer junk. I mean, the fads I stuck with were the, you know, your G.I. Joes, your Transformers, things like that. I mean. G.I. Joes never had a mania for them. 84, it was a gigantic mania. I mean, you have to put yourself back into it. But yeah, G.I. Joe was an enormous I never felt the need to have one. Garbage Pail Kids. How about Garbage Pail Kids? Remember that? I do. Yeah, and Wacky Packs. How about that? Wacky Wacky Packs are great, man. Wacky Packs are so great. Our crumb drew those. This maybe should have been mentioned up top, but I looked up the Kickstarter for the original Fidget Cube. I don't know if you looked up that. Very successful Kickstarter. Oh, Jesus. That's that's not even, that's an understatement. But these two guys, Matthew and Mark McLaughlin, they asked for 15 on Kickstarter. I guess thinking that they were going to get it. So 154,926 people kicked in for a grand total. Again, a $15,000 ask. Talk about why is this popular. Just on premise alone, they raised $6.5 million on Kickstarter. It apparently was the wealthiest Kickstarter of them all. If you subtract that $15,000 manufacturing you know, nut ask, they were left with a handsome profit for the rest of all of time. And so the hunger was out there for this sort of thing without anyone really even noticing. I like this cube a lot. Thank you. I mean, I like uh, knickknacks. They cost next to nothing, and they're easy decorations, and then if they break or you lose them, who gives a shit? I I like the design of it. I think it's pretty. I don't know. There's something about this that I really appreciate. A month ago, I hadn't heard of them. Now, every kid in my neighborhood's got one. I checked, starting with Dez. I was going to get one for my birthday, but then I got one for Easter, and I wanted a white one. If we turn the hands of time back, does Lil Noe Tarno like this thing? Yes. Well, first of all, let's talk about the spinner for a minute, because the spinner is more the fad than the cube. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. As as we talked about last time with uh, Supreme, very much at a young age, at least until I was about 13 or 14, I was a fad chaser. So anything that would have made me, quote unquote, part of the club or t- made me feel like I belong, I would have absolutely chased down. So I would have used the little money I had or asked my parents to buy me a two five dollar spinner now i also feel like i wouldn't have stuck with it i would have gotten bored with it pretty quick i yeah. probably would spend a week playing with it non-stop and then kind of lose interest what about you i'll give myself an out here because i collected anything with the words snake eyes or megatron on it which were also <laughs> chunks of plastic either imported from japan or manufactured in Pawtucket, rhode island by hasbro i needed the identity of a living comic book to sort of bring the home game of a cartoon with me and those are the things that I really hunted after for years as a collector was action figures and toys. And it had to sort of have the narrative of a story, just a little artifact, a little item like this. My mother may have bought little things, wind up toys from LJ and Galoob and all those other crap merchants through the years, but I don't think any single one of them ever really captured my imagination or it seemed like, oh, this mm-hmm. is the thing that I'm going to want to play with or hold on to. I mean, again, I wasn't a fidgeter as a kid. I was a patient kid. It was a combination of it being out of the range of my imagination and also it wasn't the thing that satisfied me on a soothe level i was much happier to see cobra commander that is the difference between us while i was 
I wasn't specifically into Transformers or G.I. Joe, but I was into fantasy scenarios and boy kind of stuff. You know, I like superheroes. I like wrestling. I guess that's the difference. I was the fad chaser. You were not. Mm -hmm. And if this was the thing to make me belong, I would have jumped in. Yeah. We are codifying an essential difference between you and me as a child, huh? How about that, Bill? Today, we have a super epic video for you. We're going to see if the Galaxy S8 screen can survive a metal fidget spinner super spun with compressed air. Is this a sign of the apocalypse? Uh, I'm going to say no. I maybe can be convinced, much like you convinced me in the last episode, that Supreme is... <laughs> that it is? <laughs> <laughs> it was a good Supreme argument. Supreme will kill us all. Supreme will kill yeah. us all in the end. Yeah, I think of it as, again, a harmless successor to a series of anodyne things that have come along. I mean, one of the things you alluded to before was the amount of stimulation you need now, you know, need being in quotes. Right. And I would attribute that. I could say it's like, well, think of the amount of money you need now to buy the same thing that you got in 1980 and to the amount of stimulation you need now compared to what was It's inflation. You can get angry at inflation all you want but it's a fact of life. Everything has become inflated. And so whereas mm -hmm. the hula hoop at one point was blowing kids' minds back in 1955, you need something a little more high octane than the hula hoop. And I assume mm -hmm. that the fidget thing, the fidget object... Uh, by the way, you know, there's also this stuff called kinetic sand. I, I don't know if you came across that. Yeah, um, and kinetic sand, this, yeah. this is great. Now we're, we're really hitting on all cylinders here because kinetic sand is a regular feature in a lot of ASMR videos. So this is the synthesis, the intersection of a lot yeah. of our video subjects. If Supreme made kinetic sand that was featured on Jimmy Fallon when Zack Snyder is a guest and <laughs> Lana Del Rey was the musical music guest. Is, is, yeah. is going to commercial. But I think it's just the latest in a long line of hula hoops. These things will unfortunately wind up in the bellies of seagulls, which really breaks my heart. <laughs> but um, whatever the next thing is going to be, whether it's uh, oxycodone or if it's uh, yeah, okay. some small... The new, the new fat among kids. <laughs> if it's like, what is it? Millhouse on The Simpsons. If it's ball and... What is it? Ball and cup? Ball and cup, yeah. Everyone was really excited about Bone Storm and he gets ball and cup. We could reconvene in 18 months yeah. and have a conversation about the next piece of bullshit yeah. that people love. But it doesn't read as the apocalypse to me. You know, you brought up hula hoops again. And I think a hula hoop is takes physical skill. Oh, I yeah. can't spin a hula hoop for longer than like two seconds. Yeah, nor I, exactly. Yeah, and there are people who are pretty amazing with it. There are kids who work at it and get it. So a hula hoop is a shitty piece of plastic that probably cost 50 cents in 1958 and probably now costs three bucks. There is an element of practice, of skill, of diligence. There's something positive to be said about the hula hoop. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe even fitness, right? Yeah, it's self-soothing um, is, a, is a, uh, uh, a an accessory reaction. It is not the primary... Right interface with the thing yeah to support to bolster the point of this thing is going to kill us all which is what this article in the new yorker certainly said and the atlantic said to a point yeah the fact that the fad is so self-soothing and not about developing skills or developing intellect or making a connection with people i mean even pogs was a game you played with people you that's know? true yeah that's true um, so yeah so this is our fads have degraded to ball and cup you know um <laughs> is this a sign of the apocalypse I'm going to say no, but the fact that we need it might be, mm -hmm. you know, the fact that we need constant distraction, I do worry about. The fact that people are buried in their phones constantly, I do worry about. I do think that could have seriously negative repercussions for human cognition, for social cohesion, for reliance on technology, all these things. I genuinely worry about that shit. So I guess I like fidget toys if 
It's just speculation at this point if they actually have the power to wean people off of these things to focus their minds onto more uh, wholesome or useful activities than playing Candy Crush Saga or browsing through Instagram or whatever. Yeah, I'm dubious of that, but I hear you. You're not, you're not I'm wrong. dubious too, but look, it got me off my phone for 10 minutes and I'm happy about that. So this is not a sign of the apocalypse or maybe the fact that they are – that we need them is. So I guess that's a way of saying indirectly it is a sign of the apocalypse. Directly it's not. A día de hoy, ¿quién no ha oído hablar del fidget spinner? El juguete de moda que está arrasando en todo el mundo es el artículo más vendido en tiendas, pero no solo eso, sino que además es viral incluso en YouTube. La descubridora del famoso gadget es Katherine Hettinger, una mujer de 60 años que se está haciendo millonaria con el invento. Pero no solo de fidget spinners vive el hombre, también existen otros inventos igual de ingeniosos y exitosos por el mundo. Are any issues you have with fidget toys? Is that a product of your jealousy, Bill, of this concept, of the success no. of the fidget toy? No. Any problems genre? I have are strictly due to being above it all and way cooler than the fidget cube. Absolutely. Uh, no, it's, it's definitely not jealousy. It's the idea that uh, it's just not something I need. It's just not something that fits into a chemical niche. could be a taste thing. It could be a uh, preference. It is analog, and so... There is something really uncomplicated about it because it's just buttons mm -hmm. and levers and things like that. So mm -hmm. the simplicity of it is actually below the threshold of what it would take to divert me. What about you? Pretty much by definition, anything that is prominent enough for us to talk about in the show, I am somewhat jealous of because it is more successful than anything I'm proffering to the public. No, I'm not jealous. To the extent I am, you know, the spinner especially, which seems very basic and very simple and there's not much to it uh you know my calvinist attitude that only things that require a lot of hard work should be rewarded i don't know how hard it was to build this thing or design this thing so maybe there's an ounce of jealousy that these guys didn't work hard enough to the guys who knows i mean i think it's unclear who invented these things it's true this thing doesn't deserve to be this popular because it's not that complicated but whatever it's a fad it'll be gone in a few months and i don't know how many people are going to make a zillion dollars off this thing as for the cube um part of me wants to say yeah the guy who invented this deserve it because this is a very elegant item. Uh, I guess I'm jealous in that I've many times considered doing a Kickstarter for something I was doing. I thought about doing a Kickstarter for the app I built, etc., etc. And I just know in my heart, because I'm this kind of negative Nelly, that if I had done a Kickstarter, it would have failed. Not enough people would have bid on it. Well, I think that takes us into the end of this one. As I said, the topic was yes. a mile wide, but about two inches deep. Aren't they all, though? If you would like to go through our vast archive, I suggest you vast. look on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. Please tweet to us at Noah and Bill's show. Someone actually said that they misunderstood the they thought I was saying Noah and Bill Noah and Bill show on Twitter write to us at Noah and Bill don't get it at gmail.com yes. visit I don't get it podcast.com and give us a review yeah. on iTunes we crack our listeners open and suck the marrow from inside them you can find me on Twitter at William Scurry and I'm on YouTube at AM Caesar that's where you'll find my short film work Mr. Noah Tarno where can we find you BigQuizThing.com, the world's greatest live trivia spectaculars for corporate and private events. Uh, side note, this summer we are celebrating our 15th anniversary, so we are doing uh, special public shows. Uh, July 17th in New York, August 2nd in Cambridge, Massachusetts, a.k.a. you know, basically Boston. Uh, in New York at La Poisson Rouge in Greenwich Village, in Boston at Oberon, two old standby venues for us. 
Uh, see you there. Tickets for New York on sale soon. Tickets for Boston. That show is free. Look how lucky you are. It's going to be a live three-hour podcast. It's totally not going to yeah, be that. But much. you can treat it. I'll be there. I'll be at the one in New York for certain if you guys want to uh, chill out, visit us, and see the, the legends behind the podcast. So. Until then, until you meet the minds, until we rejoin and clasp our wonder twin powers together, uh, I don't get it. A production of American Caesar Enterprises 2017.